this truth that I'm going to share with you. Now, let me plead with you before I start. Don't discount this truth because it's a simple truth. What I found is there is profundity in simplicity. And I preached a whole sermon on that. And so don't miss this because it seems simple. Because trust me, in watching people grow in Christ, they've missed, a lot of Christians miss this. They miss this truth that I'm going to talk to you about, and it hurts them. But if you'll get this truth, as I have when I was about 18 years old, I got this truth and been sticking with it. It has so blessed my soul, my wife's soul. And anybody that understands this truth and applies it in their life, I have not seen anything but a deep, lifelong blessing come to them. So I'm not preaching health and wealth, but I'm preaching understanding the truth of the Bible and applying it in your life will create a tremendous, deep, spiritual blessing to you. And this one I'm going to try to share with you today. The title of it is, You Gots to Be Amongst Them. You Gots to Be Amongst Them. I was fishing with Ernie, and we were, you know, Ernie and I had a lot of time together. We talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about young people. He has daughters, four daughters. We talked about the difference between their lives and our lives as young men, uh, how different society was and all that stuff that you talk about. We talked about how in large numbers, the young adults of today are not getting married. Not getting married. Uh, they're staying home. I mean, it's, it's made all kinds of news articles. They're staying home to 40, living in the basement. You know how that goes to 45 years old, not getting married. And in my day, uh, which I graduated from high school in 1970, that'll give you some idea, people got married out of high school. They already had a steady girlfriend their junior year in high school. They were engaged in their senior year, and they were married in the summer of their senior year. It was just like this all over. It happened everywhere. Um, being married in their teens was a norm. It was not unusual. It was the norm of what happened. What happened? Between then and now, what was happening? Um, we were discussing this mystery that we old folks have. What's happened to our gen- this new generation? What's happened to them? Why are they different? Why aren't they getting married? And so he came up, he looked at me, and he said, Well, Bill, if you want to get married, you got to get amongst them. And I, when he said that, we, we, we laughed and laughed and laughed. You got to get amongst them. He said, when I wanted to get married, I got amongst them. I got amongst the girls. He said, you got to get amongst, and we were fishing, right? He says, if you're going to catch walleye, you got to find them. If I'm fishing over here in a walleye, I'm not going to catch any walleye. You got to get amongst them. And I thought, well, I thought, you know, the Holy Spirit went bing, 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 bing. I'm going to help you help them understand a passage of Scripture that most everybody that's gone to church has heard over and over and over again. But I want to give this passage to you in a completely new light. But there's really the same meaning. Let's take your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10, 22 to 25. I preached on the passage, I preached on the verses 22, 23, and 24 before. I've done that before. That'll not be today. I've never, I went back to my computer, which I have records for about 30 years now. I went back and have never preached on this passage 
of Hebrews 10.25, which is a classical passage, which is preached on by any pastor in any pulpit across America that loves these people is going to preach on this, but I've never taken a whole message around it, but I'm going to try to do that in some fashion today. In verse 22, to give you a context, he says, Let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies walked with pure water. Do you think that's good? Is that good? Amen. How about the next one? Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful as that promise. Is that good? Oh, I think so. So he says, let us draw near. You want to draw near to God? You want to have a true heart and full assurance of faith? You want to have your evil, your evil conscience and heart sprinkled with the blood of Christ and have it be washed and be pure? I do. So three let us statements. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. And the last one says, let us consider one another provoke unto love and to good works. Now, we're good at provoking, but not oftentimes unto good works and unto love. But we're supposed to actually be firing each other up to do the will of God, to love. We're to fire each other up to love. When, when uh, Mrs. R uh, Marilyn Rose, are you here? When Marilyn got sick, she was telling me how the church just flooded her with food and flooded her with love, and, 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 and they, were, they, were, they were just all over it. And she just cried when she told me, and she cries all the time, but when she cried when she told me, and, and I thought, praise God, that's the epitome of being a Christian, provoking unto love. You folks provoke me to love. I want to provoke you to love. So we, we let us draw near to God. Let us hold fast our profession. Man, I, I don't want to backslide. I don't want to fail. Many of the people, I was in Preacher Boys class at Bob Jones University. There was 1,100 of us. A lot of those men have failed and are out of the ministry. Many of those men became casualties. Of the war we're in. They were wounded, taken out of the of the preaching ministry. And it says, let us consider one another. Let's provoke. Now, the right after that verse 24, you can write the words if you mark your Bible. How? H-O-W, right there. How? How do you draw near? How do you hold fast? And how do you consider to provoke each other unto love and good works? Verse 20. The answer is right in the book, verse 25. It's so simple. It's unbelievably simple. It's so simple, people stumble right over the top of it and miss it. He says, here's how you get those three things. Stop forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, or don't. Forsake the assembling of yourselves together, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. In other words, there's people out there, the born-again Christians out there, that are and have chosen to forsake the gathering together. And that's called, the word church means assembly. That's what it means. It means that this is a church. Now, it's not a church just because you're all here. It's a church because you have a God-called pastor, and you have God-called deacons, and you have a church government, and you believe the Bible. It's more than just being here. I mean, being married is not two people looking at each other and saying, do you take me for life? Yes, I take you for life. Being married is bigger than that. Amen? I know teenage boys try to do that all the time. 
convince, you know, their girlfriend, oh, yeah, we're married. Nobody doesn't make any difference what the government says. Yes, marriage has something to do with the government. It needs to be publicly recorded, publicly witnessed. There needs to be an exchange of some sort of promises and vows, and those people need to be held to that. Do you know when I was a young man, you couldn't get divorced unless you got permission from the ju a judge? You had to go why? You had to go before a judge, present your case why you wanted to get divorced. The judge would decide. My brother wanted to get divorced from his first wife, my oldest brother, and the judge said, "No, we're not going to let that happen. You're going to get right with her. You're going to go to counseling, or you're going to jail, basically. Contempt of court. You know, you get contempt of court. When the judge says something, you do it. And so Jim was like, "Man, oh, he was mad. He was mad. He came home. I can't believe it. Well, you really can't." You can lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink. You know that. But it was, a, it was a shock. But here it says, I, when I read this passage, and, and I remembered when Ernie said it, went, bam. I mean, bam. That's it. So doable, so simple, so forthright. But yet not practiced by countless amount of Christians. To... Be what God wants you to be, and to be what you want to be for Christ, you got to get amongst them. It's just too practical. It's too out front. It's so simple, so uncomplicated to grasp. Wow. If you do not get amongst the preaching of the Bible and God's people, which is the local church, you will not be all that God wants you to be. And you'll definitely not be all that really you want to be in God. The truth is, we need this. And I'm not doing this to promote myself. Forget me. This is the Bible. If Before I was a pastor, I, I was faithful to a local I, Wherever I've lived, I've moved around. I found a good fundamental Bible-believing uh, old King James church and got in that thing, and not everything was perfect. In fact, if it would have been perfect and I showed up, it wouldn't have been perfect. And then with my wife and I, it would have been double not perfect. And then I brought my kid in it, triple not perfect. And folks, it's, I, I, there were things I didn't like about it. Sometimes the restrooms weren't as clean as I wanted them to be, and sometimes the place weren't painted well, and sometimes the maintenance wasn't, but I, I said, well, that's something I can do. I can jump on that. I can help. But I knew from the Bible that I needed this thing called the local church. For my spiritual own sanity and prosperity, and also I wanted to help other people in my life. I don't want to go through life without influencing people for Jesus. How about you? I want to be able to have some people in heaven because I lived and moved, and had my being. I want some folks to be in heaven. And so, I thought about that. I told Ernie, man, that's what church is. It's like you, you know, Ernie has a thousand dollar or plus, uh, one depth finder, he's got, that ain't enough. Fisherman, one depth finder's not enough. You gotta have that second depth finder in case the first one goes bad. So we got another depth finder, he's got two depth finders. And we'd be, we'd be, you know, cruising around, he'd say, ooh, there's fish under us. Well, walleye stay on the bottom. There's fish under us. And that was always a good thing, amen? He was hunting for the fish. And when he found the fish, that's where he parked. That's where we fished. 
And brother, everywhere I went, when I found the local church and fund fundamental Bible-believing people that love Jesus, not perfect people, but they wanted to do the will of God, they wanted to care about the Word of God, I was all over it. You and I will fall short, will struggle, will be anemic. And I've been anemic. I've been anemic. It's a horrible feeling. In fact, for the last year, I was struggling with anemia. And it gives you a general feeling of, here it is, malaise. Malaise. I never knew what that word was. Nobody, I never heard the word until my doctor looked at me and said, I bet you have a general feeling of malaise. I said, I don't know, but I, I think so. And that's from being anemic. And I'm not anemic now, and so I'm wonderfully, feel wonderful again, you know. But I'm not in the feeling of malaise. But that's what it is. But as a Christian, we'll have a feeling of malaise. Oh, yeah, we're saved. Name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're going to heaven. The big things are there. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. But God wants more for you than that, amen? He wants you to have the power of God to rest upon you. He wants you to have the full fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control uh, or temperance. He wants you to have all that. He wants you to have the fullness of what is, He wants you to have a life more abundant. He wants to have you have a peace that passes all understanding. He, he's got it for us. He's there for us. But we must do it His way. We have to do it His way. And if you think you can live without the local church, you're wrong, and you will eventually fall back into sin or backslide. I can't tell you how many people door to door I've met that, that somehow or another got offended by the local church, and they got offended. I knock on their door, and they say, you know, I don't go to church anymore. I said, well, how much Bible have you read in the last year? Well, I, I really can't understand the Bible. How many people have you told about Jesus? Well, we don't talk about Jesus. What's happened? They've been neutered. They've been neutered. They're ineffective for the cause of the kingdom of God. They think somehow they're going to be able to. Let me say this. I don't want to face Jesus in that, in that shape. Jesus Christ who gave himself for the local church. Read Ephesians chapter 5. Read those verses there. Ooh, the church is big to Jesus. It's what he died for, you and me, and this, this system, this structure. Hebrews chapter 3, take your Bible, you would turn to that. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. We see here a function of the local church, a function of being amongst them, is found in verse 13. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. What's that telling us? That tells, that tells me that there's a process in myself, internally, in the flesh, of a process of, of me becoming harder, of, of me becoming less responsive to God, of, of a shell forming around me that God and the Holy Spirit really cannot penetrate, and I become calloused as I walk by unsaved people, now oh, they're lost, they ain't going to respond, so I don't tell them about Jesus. I don't give them a gospel tract. I don't invite them to church. I, I don't support missions because I really, I don't, I could care less about the world. I got my own problems. What is that? That is being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 
Because God wants you to care about them like he cares about them. Does it make sense to you? He wants you to love them like he loves them. Well, let me tell you, he loves them, gave himself for them. He, he don't want you to walk past a, a lost person callously and, and, uh, and, and don't, not caring that they're on their way to a judgment and a place called hell. Man, he wants you to have a heart of compassion. He wants you to shed some tears over the lost people. When's the last time you wept over a lost soul? Or now, you know, this is deeply convicting. When's the last time you wept over a lost soul? You say, I haven't, Brother Bill, in years. That means you're hardened. You're getting hardened. You don't want to be hard. That's not where Jesus is. He cared about us. He went to Gethsemane for us. He went to Calvary for us. He wept over us. He saw Jerusalem, the Bible says, he wept over us. Oh, we need to be amongst them. We need to be in a local church. And you're here today, right? I know I'm preaching to the choir, right? You're here. You decided this was the place God wanted you to be. And I believe it is with all my heart and all my soul. And you're amongst them. And because you're amongst them, the Holy Spirit of God through the mystery of preaching is happening right now. God is talking to you in a way that he doesn't talk to you any other way. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It is somehow happens through the proclamation of the word of God we call preaching, foretelling the word of God, and then the Holy Spirit being here, and the Holy Spirit being in you. Or if you're, if you're not saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will talk to you in a service like this that he won't talk to you in any other fashion. It's a special time. It's a special place. It's a mystery that happens. But every major revival that I've read about started around the local church in preaching. Every major decision in life that, that a Christian makes is usually around, um, at least most I've ever heard, about around somewhere around preaching and the local church. Every missions endeavor. Man, we've We've gone all over in the, in the world, translated the Bible to 1,260 different languages so far. That's come by being amongst them, by schooling, if I may put it in a fishing term, together. Uh, uh, it, it, the local church is where exhortation happens. It's what's happening now. We're, we're, I'm, as a preacher, I'm told to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. In other words, use the Bible. Keep using the Bible. And by the way, be patient. Long-suffering. That means to suffer long. He knows the power of the preached word, God does, when he writes that in Hebrews 10.25. Uh, he knows what can happen. He knows. By the way, the devil knows. And you know that's not good. The devil knows what can happen in a church service. He knows so well that he does everything he can muster to keep you from here. I'll give you so many examples. I don't have time, but let's say we have a. Let's say I advertise for a year. We're going to have. A, let's say Tom Farrell. We're going to have Tom Farrell preach revival. You need to be here that week. You know, we make it as convenient as be. We have donuts and coffee ahead of time. We do everything we can. We have it in the evening so it can be after work. And so we do everything we can so that you can somehow fit it in your schedule. We have Tom Farrell booked. 
four years out before we can get the guy. So we get this guy. I know that if you'll avail yourself to the preaching of the evangelist, not just Tom Farrell, but any of them, that God is going to do something good for you. He's going to do something real good for you. You say, well, I don't need any good. That's why you need to come, because you don't know you need it. And, you, and if you come, you'll know you need it. And that's what being hardened is about. So you get hardened, you get callous, you get cold. You know, marriages get that way, don't they? You know, we all need a little revival in our marriages. Amen? Every, every man's his father's day. Every man says, you better. Well, you men need revival on that. And so, he wants to get us out. I've seen, I've seen, I, I know as a pastor certain things and people they're struggling with. You know, I'm privy to certain things. And so I know they're struggling in an area. And so I know that Tom, you know, I talk to him. He says, well, I'm going to preach on this particular passage. And I say, oh, I think in my mind, I don't tell Tom, but I think in my mind, oh, if so-and-so comes that night, they're going to get revival. Literally, they're going to get revival. They're going to get the need that they have had. They don't even know they got the need, maybe, but it's going to be men. And so, without saying any more, I go to them and say, now make sure whatever happens, you're here Tuesday night at Revival or whatever. You know, I'll just pick a night. Tuesday night. And so they say, oh, preacher, I plan on being there Tuesday night. Hey, Tuesday night's the night you want to be there. And so I, I check on them again. You know, Tuesday good? Oh, yeah, Tuesday's good, preacher. I'll be there. So the service starts, music's playing, and I look around, I don't see them. Like, oh, man, what happened? So... I text them. Hey, are you everything good? Everything good? We're coming. You're going to be here tonight? I don't do this all the time. If I do this to you, it knows I, I really love you. All preacher. My wife and I had a row. We had a row. You know, I'm not fit to come to church. I said, are you kidding? You disqualified yourself. Who needs to go to the hospital? Sick people. <laughs> so, come on. Oh, preacher, no. My hot water heater broke. I got a flat tire. Okay, we'll come and get you. I got a plumber in the church. I'll help you out. Because I, I'm in mind, I'm thinking, whatever happens, don't let anything stop you from coming because God is trying to do something fabulous for you, something spiritual for you, something deep for you. Oh, I'll listen to it on a tape. It's not the same. A tape doesn't have the cumulatively, cumulative power of a collective Holy Spirit. I'm warning you. Tapes do not replace being there. Because it just doesn't have the power. Every believer in here has got the Holy Spirit of God. I've got the Holy Spirit of God. There's a collective thing going on here. And if I can convince you of this, if the Holy Spirit, if I convince you, you'll fail. If the Holy Spirit will convince you, you will overcome most all of the, the attacks and problems that come on you as a Christian. It's crazy, but it's true. So the devil, he says to get you out of the local church. He says to separate you from the local church. He says to stop you. He wants to stop you from schooling. And listen to what he does. Three things. He'll separate you. He'll isolate you. And then he'll decimate you. 
He knows that if you hang out amongst them, that you're going to get what God has among them. The Word of God, the preaching of the Bible, the personal exhortations, the interaction, the Holy Spirit as a group, the, the encouragements that come out of the Word of God and the preaching, the joint accountabilities, exhort one another daily, Hebrews 3.13. You can't exhort people, you don't see them. The team spirit that we get by being together, like this thing about VBS, this isn't just about winning boys and girls to Christ. This is about you and me. This is about getting our team spirit. This is about encouraging us as a whole. This is about going, putting our hands together and saying, we're going to do this in spite of all hell. We're going to do it. Because Jesus said, "My, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. It's a thrill to be part of the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, it's just a thrill. And the, and the power of the unity and, and the fact that the church literally is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. This principle goes further even than joining and attending and participating in a Bible-believing local church. You got to get amongst the Word of God. To get it. You got to get amongst walleye to catch them. You got to get amongst dolphin to catch them. You got to get amongst the lobster to catch them. You got to get amongst the deer to catch them. You got to get amongst uh, the, uh, by the way, in North Dakota, ooh, pheasant everywhere. Got to get amongst the pheasant to catch them. If there's no pheasant, you ain't going to kill any, right? You ain't going to eat any. And deer, I never seen so many deer in my life as I did up there. You got to get amongst them. You got to get amongst them. And it just makes common sense to me. I'm thinking about it here. The Bible reading program is no more than encouraging you to get amongst the Bible. That's all there. If you get in the Bible, something's going to happen. It's going to be big. God's going to do something. You say, Preacher Bill, I got this harassing problem. Well, let me tell you, if you're ever going to get it solved, it's going to be in, through the Word of God. It won't be through the local psychiatrist. He needs what you got. How can a blind man tell you what a rose looks like? You know, all the psychologists do is make you feel good. And here's how they do it. It wasn't your fault. It was your wife's fault. And you, you say, amen. It was your kid's fault. Amen. I knew it was their fault. It was the government's fault. It was this fault. It was you didn't have this privilege. You, you had white privilege or black privilege or brown privilege. You had some sort of privilege. Yeah. Boy, you got to get amongst the lost to win them. This, this spreads out, see. It spreads out. Got to get amongst the lost to win them. Why do we go door to door? Because we're getting amongst them. Why, why do we go out VBS? Because we're getting amongst them. Why do we support missionaries? Because we're getting amongst them. Why do we help the Cubans down there? Because we're getting amongst them. We can't do them any good sitting back here. You got to get amongst them. You got to get down there with them. Got to help them. Got to get the word of God to them. Show them what real Christians are. Help them. 
You want to catch walleyes? Get amongst them. And this is profound. I want all the men to listen. It's Father's Day. Single men, you want to get a woman? You got to get amongst them. Single women, you want to get a man? You got to get amongst them. You want to catch dolphin? See Nick Carbon. But I'll tell you one thing about Nick. If he goes dolphin fishing, and he does, Troy goes dolphin fishing, Abdel goes dolphin fishing, you people go dolphin fishing. You know what you spend most of your time doing? Where are the birds? Where's the weed line? Because if you find the birds and you find the weed line or you find a big old piece of plywood floating, glory to God, we're going to have a great day because that's where the dolphin will be. And that's where otherwise it's just a whole lot of blue water with no fish. And so you spend most of your time looking. That's what we did. We spent half a day looking, catching one hour. One time we went dolphin fishing, there was no limit. Now, I want to tell you ahead of time, there was no limit on dolphin, no size limit, no amount limit. We caught 110 dolphin in less than an hour. Tom Gillespie, he was with us, so you can ask him. 110 dolphin. We began to take water on in the back where the motor goes, you know, the motor goes like water started coming over back, and my brother said, we're sinking. Don't catch one more fish. That's a good fishing day. We just smiled. We couldn't wipe the smile off our face, and we managed to make it in. And on the way back, we saw a big old buck deer was killed by a truck alongside the road. We stopped, cleaned him out, put him in the boat, too. I got home. I said, God's blessing us so much, we can't even contain it. The 150-pound buck. I didn't even know they existed in Florida. Out of season. I wasn't driving. Folks, 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 please, please, let the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit get this into you. If you make a decision today that you're going to be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're just going to avail yourself to what we have preaching-wise, and maybe Friday night or whatever, you're going to be amongst them. You're going to get there and expose yourself to the preaching of the Bible. Something God is going to do great and mighty things through you, which you know now. He'll stop. You don't need to go to counseling. Don't need to spend 110 bucks an hour. Don't need to lay down. Don't need to read a bunch of books. You expose yourself to preaching the Bible. Reading, all, reading books is fine. I, I recommend it. But I can tell you that somehow, when Brother... Dr. Crabb will preach a message, and it'll be sent from God to you. Now, nobody else in the room may get a blessing, but that one person that came in faith, without faith, impossible to please him. Boom! That was exactly what I needed. Preacher, and you know, going out, people say, Preacher, that was like you knew my, read my mind. It was the Holy Spirit read your mind. And we're just instruments. I'll preach on anything in the Bible that God leads me. I have no qualms. He leads me, I'll preach it. And so I'm here as a conduit for the Holy Spirit 
to preach whatever he wants to preach to you. May God help us. Father, Father. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.